Welcome to the next episode of the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. I know that many of us are looking ahead to the next phase of the pandemic, and already we're evaluating some of the lessons learned that we collected as we mobilized large groups of our business to work from home. Now, during the pandemic, Unisys focused on the technology required to enable people working from home. And that was evident in episodes four, five, and six of the Digital Workplace Deep Dive podcast. Now, at the same time that we were focusing on technology, the Timuron Group was working on virtue work. That's guidance and consulting to help enterprises figure out not just this first phase of working from home, but looking beyond. In this episode, I think you're going to enjoy listening to Lynn Herbert, She's the Chief Customer Officer at Timuron Group, and she promises to share some of the lessons learned that she and her colleagues collected as they used virtue work to guide their customers through various phases of the pandemic. Lynn, welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. Glad to be here, Weston. Now, Lynn, in May, you and I conducted a webinar where both of us talked about what we saw happening with each of our respective customers as they dealt with the pandemic. Now, in that webinar, I recall you describing four phases that most enterprises will find themselves going through as the pandemic unfolds. First of all, there's this rush to work from home, as as we've already commented on. Second phase, looking at the health, well-being, and productivity of employees as they work from home. And phase three, finally leaving the pandemic. And of course, not going back to the office as we know it, as we left it, but something quite different. Now, many people stop with phase three getting back to, you know, they call the new normal. But Lynn, I think you've got your eyes set on something much more exciting in phase four. Sure. Although we, we'd like things to be linear, I think it's actually, depending on the day and the situation, we may find ourselves in a, a different zone. Um, and how we define those zones are really fear, learning, and growth. Lynn, can you give me an example of what you mean by fear, learning, and growth? When we had spoken before, we were finding that a number of our customers were were kind of out of the fear zone. They had, you know, um, really dived into the learning that they needed to do, both with their customers in addition to their staff, and really felt like, hey, I'm ready and I'm I'm ready to grow and I've got my plan and this is going to work. And one of their key employees tests positive for COVID or all of a sudden, they find out that the programs that they had arranged for their children have been canceled and that they've got a house full of, of young ones. And so they're, they're back to that kind of fear zone, learning how to adapt and where to grow from there. What I think I hear you saying, Lynn, is that it's possible to get through the pandemic and, and actually be stronger as an enterprise, even poised for growth, if you understand how to work with fear and using learning to get to growth. Yeah. I think you're gonna help us understand more about fear, learning and growth as we walk through the four phases of dealing with the pandemic. But if you don't mind, let's just back up a bit for our listeners. What did you see in working with your clients in phase one? Sure. I think phase one was really just for many, many people. They had not been used to working remotely, right? They had a routine, they had a certain place, they had you know, the place they stopped for, for coffee and they went to work, 
right? And so with the stay at home orders and now um, the fact that many people are, are migrating to a work from home or a remote work model on a permanent basis, that first phase of just physical and emotional adjustment of saying, you know, the work has changed and I may not be totally in control of when and where the work is done on any particular day, but making sure that you have the tools and the flexibility, right, to kind of work from anywhere. So that first phase, I think some people were already used to doing that. And for some people, this was the first time that that ever occurred. We actually found, I was, I was surprised to hear a number of our clients and even large organizations on a human resource call that I was at that had strict no work from home policies. And so I think that first phase of the reality that, you know, a one size fits all and that the traditional workplace as a physical building that you can control and see everybody and that they checked in or checked out at a certain time. That phase was, was different for everybody, but very difficult for organizations and individuals who had never, never done that. It's interesting for me hearing what you saw with your clients as you work through phase one, Lynn. At Unisys, as we work with our clients in phase one, I had a really big aha moment. What I saw was that Prior to the pandemic, clients that treated the digital workplace seriously, they had a much easier time mobilizing their employees to work from home than enterprise that perhaps considered digital workplaces as maybe just another buzzword. It really turns out that the technologies like moving apps and data to the cloud, using collaboration and productivity tools effectively, uh, video conferencing obviously, and even the use of AI and automation turned out to be super valuable in first getting employees to work from home and then being able to scale up support systems using automation as there was just this flood of, of tickets and requests coming in from, from people who needed help working from home. Sure. So I think that summarizes what you saw, what we saw, the joint lessons learned in phase one. So what did you see in phase two, Lynn? Phase two was really then really the overall wellness and productivity in that phase, right? So, okay, now I've got my internet stable. I've got a place to work. I've got a door. I you know, can kind of at least a schedule with maybe kids or parents or you know, um, other family members. Um, a lot of people had to actually schedule time in using the internet between either their partner needing the bandwidth or their, their child who had schoolwork to do. So I think that whole remote working and even just, you know, juggling that schedule amongst family members was a big one. Yeah. So in that next phase, realizing that the need to be flexible and take care of their own health and to take care of their other family members, to help their children with school, to prepare meals, to take care of seniors or other family members that were now in their home. Um, that whole emotional and behavioral phase, I think is one of the biggest ones. And organizations, I think that's also been one of the biggest changes and evolutions for companies is 
again, those companies that had a strict no work from home policy, um, they realized that now that people were working from home, they really needed to accommodate all those other things that happen in their life and at home. And so that second phase is really, we used to call balancing work and, and home. It's really integrating work and home. Uh, that's a better perspective. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that second phase, now that we've got the physical and we have, you know, kind of the, the flexibility of working in different places at different times um, and maybe, you know, not in the same room uh, using Slack and some of the other tools in which you can work your piece um, when you need to and someone else can adjust it that work can be done without everyone having to come together at a certain time in a physical space. And so that next phase of how do I do that for me? And how do I make sure that I'm as productive as I can be is really that second phase I think that many of us come in and out of, right? I'm curious what you found in terms of maybe who had the most difficulty adjusting and working from home. I find actually the, the higher up or maybe older that you've been in an organization and kind of that traditional model, that's been the biggest adjustment for people who really haven't, for whatever reason, tried to integrate life with work. The people who kept that very separate and very rigid, um, I think those are the people who are dealing with the most change in really, really adjusting and finding new routines and behaviors and many of them are saying, gosh, this is the first time in, in years that I've had a meal with my family. <laughs> this is really quite enlightening for me to hear you describe health and well-being and, and productivity as a distinct phase two. Um, if I go back to episode four of this podcast series, um, I recall interviewing Matt Newfield. He's the CISO of Unisys. And obviously, we were talking about security, the security challenges of, of working from home. But what struck me as especially interesting about that interview with Matt is that in addition to security, he talked about the human side of things in working from home. And he related this story, if I remember correctly, he said he was in a Zoom call with somebody and Matt was having a hard time hearing the other person. It sounded like there was some really loud music being played. And he just says, hey, can you, can you turn your radio down? And then the other person paused for a sec and then he said, uh, that's not my radio, that's actually my daughter. She's um, engaged with remote schooling. She's in the other room. And this is when she does her band practice. So I'm sorry, I'll go tell her to stop. And Matt says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't apologize. Don't tell her to stop. We're all dealing with unique challenges and working from home. Maybe, maybe you can just adjust your mic a little bit so I can hear you better. And his point was that, you know, here at Unisys, we're really good at looking at the technology to get people productive and working from home. But we also need to look at the human side of things, too, which sounds like you've been doing really well with virtue work. Right. So let's move on from phase two. I think everyone is anxious to get back to the office. What should we be doing to prepare for this next phase, Lynn? That's where we go back to that fear, learning, and growth. Things have changed on all levels. And the realization is that we're not going back to work right? We're not going back to where things used to be. Some things may be the same, but there's too many changes. Um, even if you try to control that for your organization, there's too many changes within the individuals of both your customers and your employees and, you know, your partners 
that need to be accommodated. And so I think this middle phase of really recognizing how do I be productive when we're not all working in the same place at the same time. Um, and it's really required leaders to be more focused on the outcome and allow people the autonomy to figure out how to get there. What are some of the best practices that you saw in phase two that really focused on health and, and well-being of the employees? I think people did it a lot of different ways, but I think the people who did it better, when I say better, meaning that what the result is, is that they're seeing better engagement and that the people around them are doing better. So what we've advised people to do that I think has been helpful, and I think good leaders do this naturally, to really focus on listening. I know when we started our call, you had asked, gosh, you know, I think we're a little bit more used to sharing what's going on in our own life. And that's an important context, I think, to any work being done for someone to, to be heard. And whether it's personal or business or whatever, that, that first step of really checking in and listening is an important one. The other thing that organizations have found in doing that is that some of their breakthrough ideas, some of the issues and problems that have been raised in that first kind of listening stage have really been the aha moments where organizations have, have been able to adapt and kind of break through and learn. The other pieces, and we've alluded to this um, beyond listening, is really speaking from the heart and being vulnerable. A lot of traditional leaders from my generation, they see, you know, speaking from the heart as being weak, right? Or, you know, that, gosh, if I'm vulnerable, then my team will, will feel like I'm, you know, that I'm not as strong or effective as a leader. And I think it's the opposite. I think the, the people who have been able to speak from the heart, um, especially not just because of COVID, but because of a lot of the, the cultural issues that our society is, is dealing with in different communities. Um, being able to hear that um, and allowing the space for people to, to speak from the heart has, again, been, a, I think, a real breakthrough in, in engaging people within the, the workplace and um, allowing them to show up as their best, best self. And the final piece is related to that is don't be afraid to slow down the conversation. You know, we're going from Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting and we're trying to just check things off the list and trying to fit all things in. And I think just being, staying in, in that learning zone, right? By what you can learn by listening and speaking from the heart and slowing down the conversation is really valuable. That's kind of the big, big takeaways and what has set organizations, you know, kind of at this phase apart from ones who haven't. The ones who haven't done those things, they still have people that are really not doing well, right? They're, they've got, there's, I think there's a new, a new uh, term called Zoom fatigue, right? Um, and we're still not out of this. Right. It's uh, we kind of came into this in March with these shutdowns thinking, OK, by April, things will, quote unquote, go back. Mm. 
this, the realization that, okay, there's not a destination, right? There's not a, there's, we're not going to kind of be at a place at the end of the summer or even in probably the end of the year. Um, we're just going to be in this cycle of adapting. And the more we stay in that learning and focusing on the growth and out of that fear zone, the better we're going to be. I really like how you highlight the importance of, of listening. Were there any great aha moments that you could share? I think one was an organization that just accepted the fact that there's never going to be a back to work, right? That this is back to work. Yeah. They decided everyone has the option to work from home until 2021. Everybody will have the option to work where and when they feel most productive and that they were realigning all of the focus of their work to be focused on the outcomes and the measurements that not just the leaders, but the people doing the work could all buy into and giving them the autonomy to determine that was really different than what we had seen with other clients. Now, looking back to phase one, clearly technology played a very important role. I mean, you just can't be effective in working from home if you don't have the right technology in place. Yep. And phase two was looking at the human side of things. But looking ahead to phase three, what role do you see technology playing in the transformation to phase three? I think a lot of the technology companies have been leading in this because they think as organizations, you mentioned this for Unisys, is that instead of saying, oh, here's the technology that's going to determine how I work, they're saying, hey, I'm going to decide how I'm going to work and what I want to achieve, and let's find the tools that really help me do that. I think some of these technology companies have really led the way in allowing their own organizations to define that as well. Slack just, uh, just announced yesterday they're going completely virtual. And you can say, well, that's obvious because of the nature of the tool. But <laughs> again, it, it wasn't until yesterday that the leadership decided that, hey, we are a virtual company and there's no longer going to be an office. Um, everyone's going to work when and where they, they want. And we're going to use this tool within our organization for how we bring products to market and how we service our customers. So I thought that was a, an interesting way of, of looking at that. That is an interesting perspective. I mean, being a technology company, we're always thinking, here's the cool new thing, right? How can this then be used to do something different, right? But what you're saying is because of this pandemic, it's forced a, uh, a reevaluation of how work is done and the question, can we do it differently and better? And then saying what tools and technology fit that model. It's exactly. uh, completely flipped it around. That's pretty interesting. I think, Lynn, that we both agree that as we exit phase two, we're going to be coming into a very different working model than the one we left when we went into phase one and working from home. I think many will continue to work from home. Others will have a, a mix of working from home, returning to the office part-time perhaps, uh, and others that are going to be returning to an office that's very different from the office today. I mean, enterprises are now going to have to be looking at how they implement social distancing, perhaps checking on the health of employees, using IoT and automation more. 
There's going to be the added cost of extra sanitizing of shared spaces and conference rooms and things like that. So what are some lessons learned in phase two that will help us be more successful in this new normal of work in phase three? What needs to be done now and in the next six months, right? Or even, you know, two to three months and really focusing on that. And given that focus of here's the work that needs to be done, again, that outcome, then it's a little bit easier to fill in the gaps. If I understand what needs to be done, now it's much easier to say, who needs to do that work? Is it a full-time employee? Is it a gig employee? Do they need to be physically someplace or can it be done remotely? How can I integrate technology and use technology to enhance that? And what can I do to make sure that they have the tools and that I've got the feedback cycles and measurements that that outcome is being achieved? And it's not just for me to say, but it's really up to the people around you and their level of comfort and their willingness to come back and achieve what you set out to, to say, did it work or didn't it? So just a quick recap for our listeners here. Phase one, that was obviously getting people to work from home initially. Phase two, while people are working from home, helping them to be healthy and productive. And then phase three, as many people call it, going back to a new normal. I know that's oversimplifying things, but but let's look ahead to phase four. What can we expect with phase four? How I would define Phase four is really that phase in which you have provided a way to listen and to elevate the voices of maybe the voices that you have traditionally not heard and that you balance the power within your organization so that people have the autonomy and the motivation to bring their ideas and their energy and their engagement to the organization. And that you have really adopted as a culture, one that is inclusive and that is comfortable with change and that you've provide purpose and the ability for everyone within the organization to not just balance life and work, but to really integrate life with work. What we're all experiencing is that every week, every day, new information comes out and the ability to incorporate that and adapt that to your plan um, is really where we're at. Ah, so phase four is really about having the right tools in place, not just technology, but processes where we can continuously adapt to the next change that is coming and the next change and the next. Exactly. (laughs) So with my Unisys hat on, I'm thinking about what technology is needed that allows me as as an enterprise to be flexible and to adapt. But I suspect with your virtue work hat on, you are going to tell me that it has to do with fear, learning and growth, right? (laughs) As the next change arrives, there's fear. We need to overcome that fear and then learn so as to get to growth, fear, learning, growth. Yeah. Well, then maybe we can apply that model of fear, learning, and growth to another big change that we're facing besides the pandemic. I'm thinking about the spotlight that is now shining quite brightly on social justice and equality. And of course, that has to take place in the workplace as well. So in addition to the pandemic, enterprises are having to think about that. So 
does your recommendation to overcome fear, to learn from it, and then get to growth apply to this as well? I think what we've realized, not only as a result of COVID, but of the enhanced visibility of the social injustice that many people in our communities face, is that maybe the fact that we weren't as willing to learn and change in the past. Um, Because we felt comfortable and productive in what we were doing, what we're realizing is that a lot of people didn't. Mm. The organizations that will thrive are the ones that are really embracing this fact that change is occurring constantly and that by listening um, not only to more voices, internal and, and external to your organization, the more in tune and the more flexible and more successful you'll be in adapting and engaging um, more people inside and outside of your, your organization. Because um, in doing that, in, in listening and making the changes so that more people independent of their gender, their race, their age, et cetera, feel included, right? Um, and the more we learn about that, even in our language and our behaviors that allow people to feel included. And the real result is that when people feel heard, they, they feel included. Well, let's look ahead a little bit. What does success look like for successful enterprises in the next six to 12 months? That next level is really that, that new norm and that new business model that really allows the flexibility of new workforce models that really um, allows a new way of planning and evaluating um, that new workforce model that I'm going to provide people more autonomy to figure out when and where and how they get the work done. But my role as a leader is to identify together with my team, what is that goal? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to revisit and evolve that? And what are the tools and processes and skills that I'm going to now incorporate and practice in my business so that I can operate effectively in really being an organization that now is continually adapting? I think it's helpful to recognize that staying in a learning and growth zone is going to foster that, that adaptability and recognizing that fear, fear of change and fear of the unknown is what's going to cripple and limit the opportunities for businesses and leaders to really succeed in the future. Well, Lynn, what can leaders take away from this podcast as they plan for growing after this pandemic? That's really, I think, the mindset of realizing it's not a destination, but it's a journey. And to recognize both as individuals and with leaders to to be kind and gentle with yourself and with others, and to recognize when you're operating in that, that fear zone and what you can do both in your own head and as leaders in allowing people to understand that the unknown can be scary, but to guide them and lead them into what you can learn from there 
And the organizations and leaders who have done that are, you know, positioned, I think, wonderful and very strongly for the future in that they don't see it as a destination, but they see it as a journey and that the change is constant and the ability to adapt and the ability to get out of that fear zone and that paralysis that happens there is what has really, I think, set organizations apart um, during the last several months. Well, you've been listening to Lynn Herbert, the Chief Customer Officer at Timurhan Group, and I'm Weston Morris with Unisys. We both hope you found this examination of lessons learned going through the pandemic to be useful as you look ahead to the future. Now, Lynn, we've referenced several things here uh, during this podcast, and I'd like to put some links on this uh, episode's landing page that our listeners could get to, perhaps some information on the virtue work offering, and maybe we can provide some links to additional lessons learned in dealing with the pandemic on the Unisys side. Is that okay with you? That would be great. Well, Lynn, I think that about wraps up this episode. I really appreciate you taking some time to speak with me today. Glad to be here. You've been listening to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening.